It was a story that I repeat myself for a long time and I am not weak. Mm -hmm. I don't burn out. I have been like in this mindset of those who cannot follow through are yeah. weak and I am strong and I'm a strong spirit. I'm a wild spirit. So I could push through where other people were collapsing. And I thought that then it meant that I had collapsed. It meant mm -hmm. that I was part of the weak. And I know now that it is a wrong thing to think and to feel and to say, but this is how I felt. And this is very shameful for me to say that out loud. Welcome to the shame game. Shame thrives in secrecy, but loses all its power when we bring it to light. This show is all about embracing vulnerability and finding connection through our shared experiences of shame. In each episode, we'll talk with a new guest where we'll dive into their stories and experiences and learn how to break free from shame and love ourselves just that little bit more. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to play the shame game. Hello, beautiful people. This is Eleni, and I'm very excited with today's episode of The Shame Game. We have a beautiful guest called Leticia Andrak, and I'm sure that I didn't say that name properly, but it's the best I could do. Leticia is an energetics and strategy business mentor known as a business doula. I was going to say doula because that's the way you say it in Greek. And she's the founder of Essential Shift Consulting. She's also the published author of the book called Lighted. She supports women leaders and entrepreneurs in building soul-aligned businesses, careers, and lives without burning out. She has a deep understanding of the interconnectedness between thoughts, emotions, passion, and creation. Leticia incorporates ancient spiritual wisdom into her work, making it accessible for busy modern-day entrepreneurs. Leveraging over 15 years of experience in business and leadership, she guides women to achieve soulful and successful outcomes passionate about infusing everyday life with sacredness and intentionality. Leticia leads by example as a mother of two girls and strives to create a life that is aligned and sustainable in accordance with her teachings. Welcome, Leticia. Thank you so much for having me, Eleni. I'm so happy about this conversation. We're going to be talking about the shame of burnout. So tell me, First of all, before we talk about the actual story, what are the circumstances that led up to the actual burnout? Yes. So for me, I was working in strategy consulting for a big firm in Paris, a very renowned firm. And I was, you know, on the top five of the best consultant in the firm about to be promoted to go, you know, as a director. And it was it was an amazing time in my life. I absolutely loved what I was doing. I was actually leading a project with Bloomberg Philanthropy in Berlin. I was traveling and leading at the same time two other projects in Paris and leading a thought leadership paper to be published. Like so many things were happening at the same time. And I thought I was on the high of my life, of my career and all that until one day my body said, stop stop, you need to rest, you need to recharge. But before that, the lead up, if I look at it in hindsight, I was doing everything mm -hmm. you would do to be exhausted, to be burnt out, to just burn the candle on both sides, as we say. 
but I, I didn't realize it. I was just in this exhilarating phase of expansion in my career. I had my husband, my husband to be, we're preparing our wedding. Like everything was just doo, 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 happening at the same time. And yeah. This was too much. I totally relate to that story of burnout. And it's interesting that you don't realize until after because when you're in it, you're just in it and you just keep yeah. going. You just keep putting the next foot and the next foot and the next foot. For me, it was before COVID hit, I was literally traveling from city to city on a daily basis. And so I would do a, a masterclass or a workshop um, and then go to the next city, then go to the next city. It was I look back and think, how did I do that? It sounds crazy. What kind exactly. of things were you doing to burn on both ends? What were you doing? What were the activities? Exactly what you're describing. It's like I was, so it, it was in 2014, right? So it was in 2014. I was, you know, on a plane to go to Berlin and then on a train to go to Strasbourg and then on another train to go to the south of France and then on another plane. It was just, I was traveling all the time. I was on a cab at 10 p.m. leaving uh, a client office and then the next day, whether it was a weekend or not, I would be back in our main office, in our consulting office to work on a proposal, on a thought leadership paper or reviewing some of my team members' work. I was just working around the clock and I, it was the way it was. I didn't yeah. realize it was not healthy at the time. And now that I say that, this is really shameful with the work I do now. And that's why, you know, when you were like, share your story of shame, this is like a moment of my life where I thought I was at the highest point, but actually I was on the lowest point. Oh, that's a really good point, what you've just said then, because that, that speaks to our measurement of success. Mm. So, And that's exactly how I see it as well, where just when you were so busy, 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 because, you yes. know, in our culture, busy is almost like a badge of honour. It's a badge of honour, but it shouldn't like, be. I'm yeah. so busy. I had such a busy day. And um, now you look back and you think, well, that wasn't the high, the high point. That no. was the low point. So at which point did your body start to speak to you? What actually, what was the body saying? How was it speaking to you? Oh my gosh, I will always remember that morning. So I was coming back from uh, Berlin where I was facilitating this incredible three days workshop with the best innovator of the best city in Europe, meeting Mike Bloomberg itself. It was just like such an adrenaline high and I was so high. I was so, you know, such a big achievement of a project that we have built across months and so on and so forth. And on the next morning, I was lying in my bed and I couldn't actually wake up. It was that hard. It was like I was lying in bed, put my alarm. Usually I'm like straight up and let's get going. And I looked at my husband. I was like, I cannot get up. And I'm neurodivergent with hyperactivity. Since I'm a little girl, uh, my parents would say, she's like an energizer bunny. We cannot remove you know, the energy from her. But that day I didn't even have the energy to wake up. I was in my bed. I was like, I can't move. And this is where, you know, I decided to take myself to the doctor. And this is where, you know, the diagnosis came around burnout after asking me a few questions, me bursting into tears and the doctor being like, you're burnt out. No, 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 no. I rejected the diagnosis at first. I was like, no, 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 no. Just give me some iron. I've always been iron deficient. I don't fix iron. 
Yeah. So just give me some iron, <laughs> just give me some zinc, just, just give me like the traditional herbs and plants. I come from a very spiritual family, which is something we may cover at some point. But I was like, no, no, just give me the supplements. It is, I'm, I'm okay. I'm honestly like so good. I was just, you know, I'm just a little bit tired or deficient in something. But I didn't take in her diagnosis at first. Mm-hmm. So you didn't take the diagnosis and um, you did you go ahead and get some supplements? Is that what you did? No, I, so at first I rejected her diagnosis and then she was like, I really think you need to take two weeks off work. No, it's impossible. You know, I was rejecting that as well. I was like, it's impossible. I have so many team members. I have so many projects in parallel of this and this and that. She's like, it's exactly what I'm telling you. You need to have a break. Mm-hmm. When was the last break you had? All of that. And so I was like, you know what? Let's try. Let's get two weeks off. So I, you know, after the moment of rejection, arrived a moment of surrender, being like, okay, two weeks off. I can do that. And bless her, she told me not to touch my laptop and really kind of tune in and all of that. And actually, it was the best advice I could get because I went back to my place with her two weeks of work. I was too shameful to say that I was off for burnout, but I said I was sick to my uh, to the two partners I was I was working with, mm-hmm. who then you know shared with a team member and so on. But no one knew I didn't say it was burnout, and you know you don't have to share why you're sick. So I just said I was sick, and I had two two weeks off, and I decided not to touch my laptop, and I reconnected with myself, with nature, with all the ancient spiritual wisdoms that I was raised with. But I had rejected because I felt I had no time for it. So I made space and time for it then. So tell me, Leticia, in terms of um, not telling your colleagues or your manager or whoever that you'll burn out, what what were the what was the story you were you were telling yourself about who you were in that moment? Yes, and it's a, it's important to say that it's a story I told myself for a long time after that. Mm-hmm. Still, right? Mm-hmm. I. It took me a few months to accept and share openly that I suffered from burnout. So it's been, it it was a story that I repeat myself for a long time. And I know it's a wrong story, but this was a story was I am not weak. Mm-hmm. I don't burn out. Mm-hmm. Burnout is for weak people, which I know it's not now. But at the time it was what it was. Knowing that I have been part of one of the best business school in the world. And to get into this business school, I studied really hard. I have been like in this mindset of those who cannot follow through are weak and I am strong and I'm a strong spirit. I'm a wild spirit. So I could push through where other people were collapsing. And I thought that then it meant that I had collapsed. It Mm -hmm. meant that I was part of the weak. And I know now, that it is a wrong thing to think and to feel and to say, but this is how I felt. And this is very shameful for me to say that out loud. <laughs> so tell me where this story came from. So let's look at your childhood in terms of the story of you are weak if you don't keep going, keep performing, keep doing. Where did that story come from? I think it comes from the fact that since I'm very little, there is a thing, a theme in my family, which is like, if you believe you can get it, then you just have to go after it and you get it. Mm -hmm. And I've always been, you know, going after the things that I wanted and always getting them and always, you know, work hard. So you get it. And, but in that moment in time, 
I knew it was not about working harder to get it. It was about slowing down to actually get it Mm -hmm. and get what is really essential. And those things that I was going after is this external recognition, being the youngest, you know, partner in the firm, being this, being that. What is that? Mm. It is not essential. It is not what defines me and who I am. There are so many... So many um, points where I completely relate, Leticia. So I moved to South Australia um, exactly a year ago and I can, you know, I live on the ocean now, by the ocean, and I honestly can say, you say it's taken you a few months for you to change your ways. It's taken me this full year. Like mm-hmm. it's taken me a whole year to to allow myself to rest, to allow myself to block out big portions of time to just have a different way of living where I wake up, I meditate, I go for a walk and I don't start work until after midday, which is something I never, ever did before. And so I so resonate with what you're saying about thinking that success means something when in fact that's not what success means and it's all about reconnecting to who we really are at our core and giving us the time and the grace to do that. So you said that you had, um, you've come from a spiritual family and you were taught certain things. Did you fall back to those things at this time? Yes, I fell back into my younger self. So my wiser self, as I call her, it's like the one that was really connected to the cycle of nature, you know, witnessing the season shifting, witnessing the moon in the sky, changing you know, changing cycle and also getting just out of my mm-hmm. own apartment or office or the cab or the plane or the train, just getting out in nature and connecting with mm-hmm. that. And that is how I was raised. I, my, my family is all about connecting with the season and connecting with nature. And I was taught meditation at the age of five to deal with my wow. anxiety and the fact that I would see beings in my room and all that. So I was very connected to those rituals, but I just disconnected with them when I was going after this rush, this race towards being, you know, the youngest leader ever in this blah, blah, blah. What is all of that? But it's just like this elastic band, which at some point took me back to my 20-year-old self who lived in India in ashrams. I lived in Brazil in Pantanal. I lived in Senegal in tribes. Like I lived in beautiful ancient spiritual wisdom place in Greece. I did research about the Greek goddesses and all of that. My, uh, you know, my master of science, the the thing we have to write at the end of my study was all about Bollywood and globalization and looking at the goddesses in Bollywood movie and all of that. So I was fascinated by spirituality when I was 20. And then I assumed that spirituality and business strategy leadership had to be disconnected. Mm. But at that moment, it's as if everything, you know, came together. I connected the dots and I was like, oh, this is it. And I had this moment of clarity. And you said you moved to Southern Australia for us, it was a call to move to Australia. We were living in Paris and I had this moment of intuitive nudge and deep inner knowing and clarity. And I told my husband-to-be, let's move to Australia. We had never been to Australia. We didn't know anything about Australia. And I was just like, let's move to Australia. And what did he say? 
Why not? Let's look at creating a matrix. He is a strategy consultant too. So we had created a matrix with criteria and all of that to try and look at the data to plan the move to Australia. So we had in the matrix Australia, San Francisco, where I could get also a visa and a job through my consulting firm. And But then he was saying for us to move to San Francisco. And we're like, we don't want to live in San Francisco. So let's actually go to Australia. So Based on the matrix we had done, it was like an easier response because we wanted to stay close to family and so on. It was like, let's go to San Francisco. But actually our gut response and our intuitive response was like, let's go to Australia, actually. And that's what we did. We packed our thing. We still renting our furnished apartment because it was supposed to be a two years thing and it's been nine years now. So <laughs> our apartment is still with our furniture and beautiful people living in it. But it's just... It's been this moment of a deep leap of faith that we followed after my burnout. I love this for you that um, it's, and that's what intuition is all about. It's about not being logical about it because then your ego mind would have come in and said, what are you talking about? What's in Australia? Why do you need to go to Australia for? But you listen to your intuition, which is the, the, your soul speaking to you and saying to you for whatever reason, which you don't know, that you've been pulled to go to Australia and then the reason presents itself later on. But it's wonderful that you trusted and that you're with a partner that allowed for you to trust and that you came to Australia to, to do whatever you needed to do so that you can combine the two. And so how do you combine the two now, Letitia? So how do you combine the two of, um, you know, work demands and what the soul is also requesting for you to do. So I'm really now listening to both and I'm really weaving both and helping my clients to do that too. So really weaving in my own life what I feel called to do and leaning in towards it and at the same time looking at the rational and the data behind it. So I'm like led by my intuition, but then I apply the strategy and the business around it and I, as you describe, I have big rituals in my day to day now, and I have clear vision of what my life is in terms of what it is to be successful in my own definition of my life. What is my vision? What is my mission? All of that. And I make sure daily I tune in with my intuition and then align my action strategically, intentionally from that place. And that's what I help my clients with. I help very successful business owners to actually tune in again with their intuition and making sure that the way they grow their business is aligned with themselves, their energy, their vision, rather than someone else telling them, this is how you need to grow your business. This is what you should be doing. This is what success is for you. Mm. Unless you raise this much in terms of capital, you're not successful. Unless you hire this many people or unless you onboard this many subscribers or this many clients, you're not successful. I help them to reconnect with what is truly essential, what is their intuition, their soul calling them to do, which is the L of my light framework, which is in my book, which is leaning in towards this and then taking the step forward. We start with being before doing, which is very different to the way we're taught. We're taught to do first and then we are rather than being first and then doing and then having it all. Very, very different. And in fact, what you're talking about in terms of 
that old paradigm. It really is an old paradigm that did used to work and yes. it worked for where we were in terms of human consciousness in that a lot of doing. And when you do a lot of doing, there is a lot of success, but then there's also a lot of burnout, <laughs> a lot of struggle, a lot of hard work, a lot of sicknesses, a lot of illnesses. And, but really what you're talking about, which is to, to be first and then do the actual where you can actually go is actually a lot higher because yes. you're coming from a different place yes. and you're utilizing your the calling of your soul not just the demands of the ego and exactly. so you can achieve so much more by actually doing less <laughs> yes and this is where you move from an echo approach from an ego approach sorry to an echo approach so an egoistic approach is i am successful because this and this and that and this is like serving your ego whereas if you look at an echo approach ecological approach you're looking at the community you create around you you're looking at the impact you have more holistically in different facets of your life and other people's facets of their life and this is way better because what i've noticed is if you spend all your time doing you're mm -hmm. actually fully like you're running on empty but on top of that you don't have anyone following you it's like you're driving the fastest car on earth but no one can follow you whereas yeah. if you are driving like being first and driving slower and making sure that everyone is following you and that you know oh it's a red light let's wait for the other people to catch up let's make that a conscious decision to be together. And I think this mm -hmm. is where we go back more and more into, you know, leveraging our village and connecting with our community. And from the get-go, my business has been community-driven. I am huge on community. I am huge on creating those connections because I don't care if I'm the only one on the top of the mountain. I mm. don't want to be the only one. I want everyone to be with me celebrating together and enjoying the view that's what matters most to me and it's a big shift from who i was when i burnt out it was i'm going to be the first one i'm going to be the mm. youngest i'm going to be this i'm going to be that i'm going to la, 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 la. make the biggest you know bonus and so on i'm so ashamed of that person but this is who i was to who i am now yeah who is well, around me who is well, surrounding had, me you had to be that person in order to be this person exactly you had to be that person. Yeah. So what I would invite you to do now, Leticia, just for a moment is just, just close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. And what I'd like you to do is I want you to see your younger self, how she was striving, how she was working, how she was doing, how she wanted to achieve, 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 achieve. And as if she's right there right now, I want you to speak to her and share your wisdom with her. Mm. You're collecting all the lessons you will be able to teach later. Mm. You have to go through that, yeah. I can see her, like she's running everywhere. Mm. Mm. What else? It doesn't matter all those, you know, credentials and those words of confirmation from other people. You're worthy anyway. 
can see how she's looking for confirmation and you know trying to impart to her the wisdom that she already has it within her mm. what else would you personally like to say to her mm. I just want to, you know, tell her that it's okay. So say it as if you're speaking to her. Yeah, it's okay. Yes. She, like, you're going to get through this. Yes. Because as I'm going deeper, I can see your suffering. It's going to be okay. This breakdown is going to be transformative, so go down. Mm. can see her going down now in the darkness, you know? Mm-hmm. How does that feel? I hold her. I feel I'm holding her right now. How does that feel to, to hold her? Feels feels a lot of compassion for her. Mm. Yeah. You know, like a lot of compassion, understanding, being stuck in a certain way of being. Mm. And yeah, I just want to tell her that she, like, you are actually super brave. Trusting yourself and going all the way to the other side of the world without knowing it. Pretty bold. (laughs) And I see her coming up now. Yeah. Kind of a rebirth, you know, going down, 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 down. She's coming up now. You're coming up. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. And now I see like a lot of, you know, lightness, a lot of light as she's coming on the other side. Felt her coming down like really down into my hands, which are close to my womb space. And now I feel her like coming up and she's around here now and she's all like, she looks young. Mm. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Mm. So you don't feel shame about her, do you? When she was in the darkness, she needed to know that she was brave. Yeah. So you feel a lot of compassion is what you said for her. Yes. 
Yes, I think I, yeah. I felt the shame when I was sharing her story, but as I see her now, I don't feel shame for her, maybe because I shared before. But mm -hmm. I feel a lot of compassion for her. Yeah. Based on the conversation we had, I feel like she was really stuck in a yeah. momentum forward or whatever it's called, you know, this kind of you're in a train which is going way too fast and you don't know how to stop it. So now you're feeling her, not judging her. So what's one final thing you want to tell her? Like this is, this is so powerful. Like this is really powerful to see her now, like stepping, mm -hmm. you know, on the other side. So I want to tell her that, yeah, she's got this. So, so tell her. You've got this. You had to go through the motion. You've got this. Mm. Yes. You can see her. She's here now. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> what are you feeling now? Uh, I feel joyful. I feel like it's the summer, you know? I felt we transitioned through the season, like she, when she was down in my hand and I had, you know, compassion for her. I felt she was in, in the winter, kind of really dark. And now I find like she is in, you know, full light, summer kind of energy. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. So if you want to give her a goodbye hug. Mm. Beautiful. And when you're ready in your own time, in your own pace, you can come back. Feel good there. <laughs> good. It was wonderful spending time with her, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh, I love it. And yeah. I could live in meditation very quickly and I was like seeing her straight away. It was really powerful. And the conversation we had before I think really helped me feels that it's funny how I really felt deep compassion for her. Like I felt my my heart and, you know, everything being like, it's okay. Like it's really okay. And I think it's what I needed. So thank yeah. you. I think it's really important that we don't judge our former selves, mm. you know, the way that, our, you know, when we were driven by ego and yeah. not by our soul, that, that was okay because we are human. Yes. Quite often as you know, humans, we're like, we judge ourselves for being human <laughs> when we would, we're human. And it's wonderful to have the human experience in whichever way that it plays out and to really hold that love and compassion for our former selves. And really, she did the best she could do. Yes. You know, our former self does the best. And no matter where everybody is in the journey that's listening here today, you, you're doing the best that you can at this moment. And so, Leticia, I know that you're a published author and you've just published a book. And um, so that's so beautiful that you're sharing this wisdom that you've gained from your experience with the world. What is it that you'd like to tell people out there? Oh, I just want to invite them to really connect back to their soul, their inner wisdom, their inner knowing, as I call it, their intuition, their light to, you know, not have to go through what I went through or if they have to go through a burnout 
a way to recover. But I would, my wish is for people to not have to go through a burnout or any breakdown before getting a breakthrough is really what I would love to impart with everyone. So if you feel you need a little bit of, you know, lightning for your your wisdom, your intuition to be sparked again, you like I invite you to read my book or to reach out to anyone around you that can hold space for you to reconnect with your your intuition, the little whisper, as my daughter will call it. They are four and six and they say that sometimes they know something because it's coming from their little whisper. I'm like, oh my gosh, and it's not something I told them. They use that word themselves. Because they hear. Yeah. They hear the whispers. Yes. And and it's beautiful that you're actually encouraging that rather than telling them to ignore the whispers and listen to something else that's programmed by society, they're listening to their whispers. And so I'm going to put all your details, including your book, in the show notes. So if you want to um, connect to Leticia and read her book, please do that in the show notes. Leticia, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful um, conversation that we've had today. Thank you for allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to open up about your relationship with your former self and then to allow yourself to go back there and and feel her presence and give her love because that's so important is to is to love every part of us not just the part that we want to show the world but every part of us so thank you for being you thank you for showing up in the way that you show up and sharing your energy your wisdom and your light with the world Thank you. Thank you for holding space for me, Eleni. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to The Shame Game. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast. And we would so love it if you also share it with your friends. Until next time, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We're all in this together and we are all worthy of love and belonging. And also, remember this, you are not your shame.